One, two, three, four. Just another day at my dead end profession. I've lived day to day. Yeah, listen to some good old country records on the radio. Hell, yeah, what else can I say? Oh, Hey, welcome back to the program. I'm Ryan Shores. With me remotely is Mr. Dave Callens. Hey, what's up, man? And Robert Timothy. Woohoo! You guys aren't together, are you? I don't. I, I can't see you. We're both. We're both in a, the same room. Wait, you can't see us? Well, I have a different screen up. I'm, I'm watching porn now. I don't have the. I don't have the <laughs> then you well, should definitely see us if you're watching porn. Yeah. yeah. Do you need my undivided attention at all times? Ryan has deep faked our faces onto some <laughs> porn stars. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, jumping right in, Robert Timothy, there's some uh, some news articles that came out this week that I think listeners would really like to get your take on both of them. I love it because you, you emailed one of these to me earlier and was like, check this out. And I was like, oh my God, I got so many stories. Okay. <laughs> all right. Good, good, good. Now, uh, the first one is one I didn't send you. Okay. Ah. Uh, and that is that the former Senate Majority Leader, Harry Reid, mm-hmm. says the U.S. has been covering up UFO stuff for years. So the, 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 he, he admitted that pretty much all the conspiracy theories about Roswell, Area 51, he, he admitted to all that, yes, we, they've been covering it up. Now, I'm, you and I have never talked about this. Are you a UFO guy? Are you a believer? No, because it's irrational. Like, I, and I would have to see what he said because I don't, I couldn't imagine it would be like, hey, look, you're all right. Like, we actually know what Roswell is now. We Roswell was a very interesting story, but it has nothing to do with aliens. Uh, but like, well, we well, know, well, hey, don't leave us, yeah, don't leave us hanging. Say that. Yeah, what was the story? Uh, all right, so this this uh, this is really interesting. So this is uh, late 1940s, and we have uh, created a nuclear bomb. We dropped two on Japan, and at the time, we are the only people with nuclear weapons. But we know that the Soviets are right behind us. Basically, when uh, us and Russia took over after World War II, Russia I know, I know half, what the Cold War is. <laughs> yeah, they grabbed half the research scientists we did, and so we knew they were already working on it, and they were getting close. We wanted to figure out when they were actually going to detonate a nuclear weapon. It was very important for us to know when they had detonated it. So there's a very interesting thing in physics where it, the different layers of the atmosphere have different densities. And because of that, in certain layers, almost think of it like an ice cream sandwich, sound will Always bounce do. around. I think it's the troposphere. Sound will bounce around in there around the entire Earth. So if a loud enough noise happens anywhere there, it will bounce around the entire Earth. So we were desperately trying to figure out what Russia was doing. This is before satellites. And these uh, physicists got this brilliant idea. So this was actually the uh, the advisor to my physics professor in college, got this brilliant idea, which was let's send microphones up into the troposphere. And then anywhere on Earth that the Soviets or anyone else detonate a nuclear weapon that noise will reverberate up into that that sandwich layer of air, and we'll be able to tell from the U.S. exactly when the first nuclear weapon... So we what you're saying off. is the U.S. was trying to fuck with the Soviets' ice cream sandwiches. Yes. We were trying to listen to them. And so what happened is they launched these balloons, and one of them comes down. One of them, it's a weather balloon with a huge metallic... So we want to fuck with their ice cream sandwiches and their balloons. <laughs> it's a we're going to huge... fuck up their whole birthday. It's a think of like a huge metal microphone, a giant disc that's like six feet in diameter. And you float this up on a weather balloon up into the troposphere and then you listen for stuff. Well, one of these balloons go, like crashes, it crash lands. And an the alien pe- shot it down. 
Yeah, and the yeah. and the people. Yeah, that's the, that's the twist. The M Night Shyamalan at the end. No, the people who went to go see it were like, "Whoa, what the fuck is this? Like, this is a weird thing to fly. It's like a Did metal you ever disc." Stop to think that it was destroyed by the Death Star. <laughs> it was just a metal disc and these weird pieces of plastic around it. Like, this is a weird thing to find. And the Air Force, like the next day, put out a, a memo from their like intelligence office that was like, "Hey, sorry, don't worry. It was just a test balloon with a a, a microphone on it for part of our nuclear detection." And immediately, in stupid mode, the U.S. government went, no, 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 don't say that. Don't tell <laughs> the Soviets that we have these things up in the in the troposphere because then they're not going to do an above-ground test. They'll do an underground test so that we don't know when it goes off. And so they retracted that and were like, no, 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 it was just an experimental aircraft. And anybody who had pictures of it could tell it wasn't an experimental aircraft. And so it started this big thing and the U.S. government allowed it to happen because they go, well, either A, a bunch of half-witted desert people are going to around thinking that there are aliens for the next 50 years, or B, the Soviets will change their the way they're doing stuff and we will lose an edge in nuclear war. So let's okay. just get, let, let's get the Arizona people to just go, you know, like shine flashlights at the sky for the next 60 years. And, and that's what <laughs> that's what Roswell is. Okay, and, okay, okay, but but counterpoint. Yeah. The alien autopsy video. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> from, from Fox in the 90s. <laughs> okay. You know what I love about so this happened in the 40s? Yeah. So late 40s. What, what I love about it is like these days, it wouldn't have taken the government fucking up and going, oh no, don't tell them that it's an experimental aircraft with a microphone on it. Because right then, there'd be a bunch of guys with ponytails living in their mom's basement going, oh no, it wasn't. Oh no, it wasn't. That was aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And, it was, and that it is was a bunch our, of our guys with the, you know, greasy hair and fedoras going, well, the government's said what they said. But here's the yeah. thing, just to add a wrinkle to it, like, I don't discount that maybe alien life exists. I don't think it's visited us, but yes, here's the thing. I'm the same point. Politicians, especially the last couple of years, blatantly lie to us on such a regular basis. Like, they'll contradict themselves on air and say, no, I never said that, when they literally just said something. So now if a politician says, oh, there's aliens, I'm like... I don't believe this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, Harry Reid is pretty much brain damaged. That guy spent more time in the ring than Mike Tyson and wasn't that great at it. But second of all, so like I'm with Dave. Like if you look at the mathematical likelihood of life, if you look at how abiogenesis and life started on this planet, it's almost certain that life is out there in amazing numbers, millions and millions of planets. In fact, one of the biggest mysteries in the world is called the Fermi Paradox. The Fermi where, Paradox. Where we look out into the sky and we don't see any radio signals coming back to us. And that's that's a really weird thing. So I would say the likelihood is there are aliens all around us. But if you do the math on it, it's essentially impossible for Now I feel like a fucking idiot because I'm the only one of the three of us that never heard of the Fermi paragraph. <laughs> paradox. The Fermi Paradox is that... Dave's like, oh yeah, for sure. You don't Not get to any... be confused with the furry paradox. <laughs> that is where you're constantly banging older, middle-aged dudes in big costumes. Yeah. No, the, the furry paradox is you're looking out in the sky and you don't see any radio waves coming back to us. And you're like, wait, why are there's not tons of radio waves if we think there's millions of civilizations out there? So we don't really have a great answer for that uh, right now, but I still think there's a bunch of alien life. But here's the deal. You have to realize there are speed limits to the universe. Like, matter can never go the speed of light. It's physical. Oh, so an alien will pull you over and give you an expensive <laughs> ticket. Yeah, well, actually... Actually, the way the physics work is you have to have infinite energy. That's actually your, the Fermi misdemeanor. Yeah. <laughs> your mass would grow to infinite sizes and you would need infinite yeah, energy to, re to accelerate <laughs> mass to the speed of light. But regardless, what that means is that like the nearest star, Proxima Centauri, that's four and a half light years away. That means that if you're going at like the fastest possible speed that an alien uh, civilization could reach, it might take them like years to get here, right? And that's the closest star, which do actually doesn't seem to have any planets that would host Well, anything. what if they got started a few thousand years ago? 
Right, but like in any of those places that are close enough for them to be able to visit us, we have good enough radio astronomy to be able to tell that there's no planets that would host life or anything like that around. In fact, some of them don't even have planets. And so like, it's just everything is so far away in space, it would be impossible. Like that's what people don't realize. At the fastest speeds, it takes us like five to 10 years to get to the outer solar system. So like, it's just, it's just so far away. And then here's the deal. I would even say, look, it's not impossible. Maybe there's some advanced civilization. Maybe they found out wormholes or something and they can get to us. There are groups real scientific groups with tons of money and resources whose entire job is to look for uh, extraterrestrial life. There's SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Have they checked Roswell? There's an alien there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have they, they seen have Predator? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they have radio telescopes and, and they do a very, very good job of doing what they do. And so to be fair, it's not that I say like, oh, hey, this is impossible. It's like, it would be like saying, hey, you know, who's going to discover the next element on the periodic table of the elements? Is it going to be like a high-end research group out of CERN or a guy in his basement? And like, that's the similar thing. It's like, who's going to discover that? Is it a, a half-witted crop dusting pilot who's flying around the Midwest or SETI? And it's always SETI. Like, it's always going to be SETI. If they're out there and they're findable, those are the people who would see them because they are the ones who have tools to see them. See, now, Bobby, here's my answer to the Fermi paradox. The reason that if they're out there, why haven't they shown us a sign yet? Uh, humanity is pretty shitty in general. I think we're the bad neighborhood of space. Oh, yeah. So they just avoid us. Like, ugh, don't go over there. Which is, ah, which is fine, and that's true if you're like, hey, they didn't visit. But you got to imagine, think of radio waves more as like pollution that comes off your planet. Like, there are I don't radio have to waves. imagine anything. <laughs> there are radio waves <laughs> emanating from this planet since the early 1900s that have been going out into space for, for now 100 plus years. And so, like, if they went through radio technology, we would be getting those signals. Now, wait a minute. Now, we also, we didn't we send up, like, recordings of the Rolling Stones? Maybe yeah. the aliens, like, what the Voyager. fuck is this boomer rock? <laughs> yeah, they're on Voyager Team too. Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they were not a fan of the entire British invasion. <laughs> they were a fan of the name. Yeah, that, by the way, that was I think that was Voyager 1, which you're talking about, which was like 1977. They sent out the gold-plated record. and, and So they, they should have sent out Sabbath. That's what I'm it saying. Was, it was one of the fastest objects ever created by man. I think it was actually the fastest object ever created by man. And it only just recently left our solar system. Like the fastest thing we've ever developed, we sent out in 77, and it just recently like made it to the edge of our solar system. Oh, so they should be here any minute. <laughs> <laughs> We also have to distinguish, like, when somebody says UFO, all that means is unidentified flying object, right? So, like, if you look up in the sky and something whizzes by and you don't know what it is, it's a UFO, right? And so so people sometimes or do get... Or it's the Goodyear blimp. Yes. Well, and here in San Diego. But people do sometimes get confused because they go, like, oh, so the government admitted a U they saw a UFO. And, like, literally, legally speaking, when a pilot in the FAA says a UFO, all they mean is unidentified flying object. They refer to helicopters and planes that they don't know, you know, their designation as an unidentified flying object. But and what so, if like, they're being piloted by aliens? Yeah, so aliens are flying helicopters? What the hell? Ah! Well, I, I, by the way, I feel like that is, like, a... You're one word away from like a Trump slo campaign slogan, like ah. illegal aliens are flying helicopters in your neighborhood. What about the children? I, I feel like if you pose that question to him, he'd just start rambling. Like, you know, we got these, we got these aliens. They, you know, we don't know what they're doing. They, they got the helicopter. They, they're up there. You know, I don't like bad helicopter pilots. I like good helicopter pilots. And I, I, <laughs> I like, like the helicopter the pilots who don't get captured. Any any Trump speech is like that game where you keep pressing the middle button on your predictive text. That's a, that's a Trump speech. <laughs> 
Yeah. But I will say this before we cap off the aliens thing is I always did find it interesting that they always visit the rednecks. And I think that they, yes. they are very fascinated by the rednecks because they're like, I think that's the most fascinating part of our society. They're like, look at this. The ones with the least amount of resources have the most kids. Yeah. Well, that's, that, this, guy, this guy cannot afford another one. He absolutely cannot. He's having another one, son of a bitch. Uh, put something up his, up his ass. I want to know why. No, well, see, you, you forget that according to the aliens, when they show up, they're like, look, these must be the wealthy ones. Look how much <laughs> land and cows they have. Yes, they've got all this land, and, and, and he has virtually no vocabulary. He's doing something right. Dude, Bobby, you've probably thought of this too, but I always thought the biggest hole in the UFO theory were people like, oh, I saw these strange lights in the sky. Like, if a spaceship ever did come here, visible light is like the least effective way yes, to see yeah. or navigate. They're not going to have lights on their fucking ship. <laughs> They're not visible. Like, at, at night, you're going VFR, meaning you're, you're going by your instruments when you're flying a craft. <laughs> like, like, you're not using a flashlight pointed out the front of the fucking airplane. I know, right? No, That's no, a good no. Point, also, if you've ever done anything nefarious in your whole life, and I know both of you have, when you're cruising up to that your target, you want to cut the headlights. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe the engine. Those fucking aliens would just be crew <laughs> coasting past us. <laughs> And, and neutral. Like just, yeah, just to cap it off, like, like when people are like, man, the government's trying to keep it from us. And I'm like, really? Because SETI is government funded and those guys are alien nuts. Like every one of those guys think they're Mulder from the X-Files and are just waiting <laughs> to break it open. Like those, but they're real scientists. So like, I don't know if they're trying to keep it from us. It seems like they're spending a lot of money to try and find it. And those nutty dudes who really want to find it, the smartest ones are the ones working there. <laughs> all right, so moving on. This is the one that, that I sent you, Bobby. We've all seen it, and I, I, I just I gotta, I gotta get your reaction to it. Oh, okay. this is so good. It's from People Magazine. Tourist returns artifacts she stole from Pompeii after claiming she suffered curse for 15 years. <laughs> a Canadian tourist has returned several artifacts she stole from Pompeii during a 2005 trip to Italy. Uh, claiming that the relics brought her years of bad luck after she swiped them from the ancient Roman city. First of all, is this shit just laying around and she, she heist a museum? Yeah, a lot of times when you go to places like that, there are places you have access to as members of the public where if you are very unscrupulous, you could do something like that. Well, okay. yeah, I've seen those videos of people climbing the pyramids. I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I feel like someone would shoot a fucking low-powered yeah. rifle at you. I just uh, There's no laws next to the pyramid, as far as I'm concerned. But, dude, my favorite part of the story so far is, like, 15 years was her limit. Yeah, yeah. she's like, all right. Okay, this, all right, my kid died. Okay, I'll, I'm going to keep hanging on to these things. Okay, my car burned in. Oh, all right, no, 15 well, years, that's no, it. I'm done, Dave, 15 but years. But see, you, Dave, you missed an important part of the conversation, which is this was Canadian bad luck, so, like, she just got, like, half as many apologies. Oh, also Canadian, It's it, that's like 20 years bad luck to an American, I think. Yes, that's right. And if it was an American, her lawyer could have gotten her seven. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, that, that is that is a good question. How much karmic abuse did she endure to where she's like, this is all because of that little statue I took off the stone? All right, hold on. Yeah, somewhere in year eight, she was wavering, but things got a little better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None of this has to do with my drinking problem. This is the Pompeii curse. <laughs> It's not I was like, late to work because of that shit I stole 18 years ago. <laughs> this is none of this has to do with the fact I keep banging unemployed dudes and having kids with them. I stole a little piece of mosaic uh, 15 years ago. The best part of the curse, if she was able to read the the hieroglyphs on the curse, she would know that if she had held out for 20 years, she would have gotten a lifetime of fortune after that. It's like a little bit of a test. 
You hold out long enough, you get everything good. She, she, she would have either gotten a lifetime of fortune or 20-year supply of rice a It would be her <laughs> pick. My favorite part of that is that Dave thinks the Romans use hieroglyphs. <laughs> I was waiting for you to catch that. <laughs> All right, so the woman only, uh, identified only as Nicole, of course, uh, sent two white mosaic tiles, two pieces of uh, amphora vase, and a piece of ceramic wall to the... Okay, so I, now I'm starting to understand the, 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 <laughs> the real street value of these yeah. quote-unquote artifacts. Uh, accompanying a note uh, that she doesn't want to pass the curse on to her family and friends, CNN reported. In her letter of apology, the tourist said she was 21 year, years old when she visited Pompeii, wanted to have a piece of history that could not be bought, uh, I was young and stupid, she wrote, according to an Italian newspaper. I took a piece of history that has crystallized over the over time and that has a lot of negative energy to it. Well, I, I'm starting to think she sells essential oils. <laughs> <laughs> People have died in such a horrible way, and I have taken pieces related to that land of destruction. Oh, I was hoping she was talking about our family. About I did, too. I was like, wait, what happened? She's like, I listen, I took this piece home, and then all of a sudden... I killed my husband in his sleep. So, like, yes, <laughs> these things do have impacts. I took this piece home, and then years before that, a fucking volcano happened. Uh, <laughs> since then, bad luck has uh, played with me and my family. Played. Okay. Interesting choice of words. Now 36, the tourist said she's experienced two bouts of breast cancer, resulting in a double mastectomy and financial struggles in the last 15 years. Well, unless the artifact was made of radium, it was not that. <laughs> <laughs> Side note, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Ken, over in Boston, we had him on the show before, a comedian, he uncovered a, um, a time capsule, and uh, he, like, he was like looking through it, and he, like, there was a pair of like old glasses in there, he was trying them on and stuff, and um, he, also he found some old film in the time capsule, he put it, he happens to have a reel-to-reel, which he played it through, and they, they did a documentary of them burying this time capsule as part of like a high school project, and they're like... It was a snuff film. <laughs> He just uncovered a cold case murder. <laughs> and so, like, also, also they're like, uh, we, uh, you see that we're, car- we're carrying this, uh, in the video, they're, they're carrying the time capsules into the hole with uh, a pair of ropes. They're like, you see we're, car- we're using ropes, it's because we put uranium in, 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 inside this, uh, <laughs> uh, this time capsule, just in case there's a nuclear holocaust and someone needs to find it. He all of a sudden flashes back to him going, like, look at these glasses and trying them on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, hilarious. He, yeah, people, he, in the, people in the past were so fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime I see any movie in black and white, I immediately say, "This is back when people were stupid." Uh, anyway, that's great. I like to think that your buddy's gonna mail those glasses to a museum <laughs> in uh, Greece and be like, "Hey, these have bad energy. I heard you guys take this stuff. <laughs> these have bad energy. I put them on and got eye cancer." Yeah. <laughs> Ah, okay, so anyway, um, da, 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 we're good people. I don't want to pass... Well, you're not that great of people. You've been stealing from fucking, uh, you know, mass grave sites. I don't want to pass this curse on to my family or children. For this, forgive me for the gesture made years ago, blah, blah, blah. Hooray, hooray. I am so sorry. One day I will return to your beautiful country and apologize in person. Okay, so Bobby, oh, I just dear. want your raw, unadulterated thoughts on that. 
So I did my field school in Peru. So I was around almost the same age as her. I was probably 19 or 20 when I was there. And I will say that one of the kids from our field school absolutely swiped something and like took it home and was kind of like bragging and showing it off to us and stuff. And everybody was like, ah. It was a stick of uranium. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, we're all like, "Uh, we're only 20, but that seems highly unethical. Maybe you may want to give that back. And he's like, no, no, this is awesome. And of course, you know, didn't go anywhere in archaeology. But like this comes. getting a double mastectomy. Yeah, this happens quite a bit. So I, I do a, I, I'm an archaeologist for some of the tribes out here, and is that right? I'll, I'll do uh, some, some like day, like learning days and stuff where the tribes will have people come in and and they have like a, they have their dances and their ceremonies and stuff, and I will be there talking about the archaeology, and I get people who bring it, who bring me artifacts all the fucking time. And the thing that sucks about it is you want to tell... No, Bobby, let me stop you right there. Do you got guys bringing you, like, you know, fucking chicken bones on twine? Like, actually, I got a little something for you here that's going to make your day. No, no, they actually are bringing kick-ass artifacts because they're looters. And, like, they... they, Oh. So there's two sides to this. One is the side you're talking about where somebody took it and they realize it's wrong and they're bringing it back. The other side is the person who thinks they're helping you. They're like, hey, check out this sweet arrowhead I found. And I'm like, well, that's But they've removed it from the site where you exploded it from it. Okay. Yeah, so once you lose the site provenience, once you lose the location and and data info and date info and everything, it becomes useless. That artifact can tell you almost nothing about what's going on. The only way that data makes sense is if it's in situ, in context of the site. And so the second you pull that artifact out, you're essentially irrevocably damaging that site. And uh, it's a big thing I get that I, I try and impress upon people, especially. I also had a few talks. beers when I found it. I took a whiz right, right right near the side. I hope that doesn't mess anything up. So you always get these guys who walk in with this bag of arrowheads and like, do I have something that's going to make you excited? And you're like, no, it's not. Stop doing this, please. This is- okay, quick question. Do people ever plant fake artifacts? Because that's what I would want to do. Well, funny story. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> To mess with Bobby. So oh, yeah, yeah. Bobby. Okay, then, okay, now I understand. So that is not common, uh, but <laughs> I will say, funny story, this last summer in the field school that I teach every summer, as a joke, one of them buried a gold idol and covered it up <laughs> and then, like, had somebody else find it. That's and, funny. I'm and sorry, that, this was a student or this yeah, was a it teacher? Was a, it was a student. It was a student, and it was it was in celebration of one of the other students' birthdays. It was a, it was actually a pretty good gag. But uh, He's but the no. Duke of Pranks. <laughs> so so there have been cases in cultural resource management CRM, which is the field I'm in, where people have tried to fake sites for certain reasons. The problem is it's very difficult to do that well unless you know a hundred percent what you're doing, and even then it's very difficult because like if I'm digging a site. I can tell by the stratigraphy if it was just dug up by somebody eight you weeks can't ago. Can't just make and a, up words, Bobby. And, a, and an artifact place there, or if it's been there forever. In this case, like one of the most famous ones that happened, where somebody tried to get something declared an important site that wasn't actually. And by the way, robbed another site to steal artifacts to bury there. What they didn't realize is things like, hey, when you just dig a hole and plant something five weeks ago, there's not a bunch of roots that go through it. Like, like there's just suddenly a column of removed dirt. Like somebody used a post hole digger and dropped this at the bottom, and there's no like levels of strategic of when the, the the sand got disposed and everything That's like that. A, so, as I was going to say, like, you don't have to be an archaeologist to recognize disturbed soil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so so it's like, that can happen. It's usually not successful, I would That's say. That's how they or, find bodies on ID Discovery all the time. Some fucking doofus is walking through the woods with his dog and sees a, a big patch of disturbed dirt and goes, eh, and yeah. then finds a 15-year-old. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, disturbed dirt and just the the yeah, once you start digging to it becomes very apparent and it's not compacted in the same way and whatnot. Now, now, Bobby, let me ask you this question: uh, away from any type of nefarious intent, do you get some idiots coming in that like have no idea what they found is nothing? Like, I found an ancient beer can. <laughs> Uh, believe it or not, I, I have actually had to spend a mind-numbing amount of time recording beer cans because they, at a certain age, become historic artifacts. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. Re- What's the re- age? Reverse. <laughs> uh, well, years? technically, years? technically, something can be considered historic depending on its context. You know, they don't make Red Dog anymore. The <laughs> minimum is 50 years, but that's not that long ago, right? You're talking about the 1970s at this point, and so. I have had to record entire can dumps. Now, most of these times, these are like 100 years old or maybe around that time, but sometimes they're 75 some odd years old. I always get really frustrated. So I hate some that. douchebag's discarded litter is now your <laughs> fucking problem. 100%. Well, I mean, technically, technically, you just described archaeology in general, but like, yes, oh. yeah, somebody, some douchebag is not that old. I always I always used to get mad because there are people who specialize in You can go find that guy. If it's only 50 years old, go find yeah. that asshole. Like, hey, pick up your fucking mess and like throw a bunch of like blue sun-bleached beer cans on his doorstep. I like that. That kind of shines the spotlight on the snootiness of archaeology. 100-year-old beer can? Garbage. 1,000-year-old beer drinking receptacle? Oh my god, this is amazing. (laughs) I've made this point because there are people here that I know who I work with whose entire job is historic archaeology. Like, that's all they do. They want to do the tin cans and that shit. And I, I am so flummoxed by them. And I'm like, you went to how many years of schooling? Just join Caltrans! Yeah, I'm like, there is prehistoric artifacts out here for a culture that lived for like 12,000 years in one of the most interesting cultures and continuous occupation of all the Western Hemisphere. There's all this really interesting stuff. And you are interested in a tin can that I could literally watch a film reel of that can being made in a factory, but you are interested in recording its diameter and width and everything? What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, it's filled with uranium. (laughs) Well, so every once in a while, though, somebody will come to me in one of those events that we do. And instead of saying, oh, hey, uh, but this is going to make you happy, they will bring me stuff and say, hey, I took this and uh, like I, I feel like I have some bad energy from it and I would like to give it back. And they always ask me the same thing, which is, is there somebody here or some version of, is there somebody here who can bless me? Is there an exorcist in this science lab? <laughs> and so please just tell a- me you do it. No, no. So here's God the funny. Here's the funny thing. Is there thing. something ethically wrong with it? Because I would just go out and go. All right, let's get this nutcase out of here. Oh, bubby, bum, bum, bubby, well, dum, exactly. bum. All right, clear you're straight. You can read between the lines, both on the terms of the fact that they're looking around the room and not at me, and the fact that I'm the whitest guy in the room. That they are clearly they want a Native American person to come bless them. Get me a brown man. Well, eventually, me and my buddy came up with this thing. So he, my buddy, who uh, married Rent a brown in- man. He, he married into the tribe, but he's just a Mexican cholo from El Centro. And Sweet. so we so we put together this thing where I'd be so like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I would go, I'd be like, oh, hold on, I'll call over the shaman. And I'd call my buddy over. <laughs> he would just, just kind of do something and wave his hands and stuff, and we got a big kick out of it. He yeah. should just slap him in the face. That's part of the ritual. <laughs> <laughs> now buy this meth. <laughs> he had these hieroglyphics 619 across his neck. <laughs> Bobby, quick question. Would you have fallen for the piltdown, man? No, yeah, no, but you would have. You totally no, would have. No, I you wouldn't lying have. But, son of a bitch. but you're, but you're, you're saying like I have a a modern knowledge of what hominids look like. So the problem with Piltdown Man is Piltdown Man was a Homo sapien 
uh, skull with an orangutan jaw, and that is not like any hominid that looks like anything. Like, that is something we know now. I'm just going to sit here and pretend I know what Tiltdown Man <laughs> is, just like the Furby complex or whatever. Tiltdown Man was a hoax uh, in the first half of the 20th century where this guy wanted to prove that, like, Britain was the ancient home of man, and we're all British indeed, mm, yes, and... Uh, they basically let's get the subtext off. there. White man, that's what yes, he was exactly. going for. Hundred percent. It was absolutely, absolutely the edge. He, he coded it British, but we know what he was going for. So he took an old, like an archaic era skull from like four thousand years ago, and then a weathered old orangutan jaw, and cut the jaw in just the right places so you couldn't tell. Where did it he get these things? That's not that hard. To he just had a fucking. A he just had a fucking orangutan just sitting around his house. He fucking lopped his head off. Took and the jaw. You, if you remove the right teeth and cut it in just the right place, you can kind of disguise that it's orangutan jaw. And that was before we knew much about evolution at that point. We didn't have very many fossils. But we and knew so to you, where to get orangutans. So, <laughs> like, it was, they thought you would find something with a human-like brain size and an ape-like jaw, which is just, like, now with what we know about human evolution is nonsense. Like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't fool an undergrad at this point. Oh. But at that point, it did fool them, and it wasn't until radiocarbon dating came on, you know, a couple decades later, that they were able to prove that, oh, this is 4,000 years old, this jaw is like a couple hundred years old, this is a fake. Oh, this is an alien, take it to Roswell. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, every once in a while, people do think the curse thing, and I will say, I actually use that curse thing to my advantage. Like, obviously, I'm a pretty rational person, I don't believe in a lot of bullshit, but if I'm giving talks, either to, like, the general public or students or something, I will always get this talk, because I talk about not looting, and why, you, why it's so important to leave stuff there, and the provenience is how we get a data. If you see American a beer property. can, don't touch <laughs> it. Bring it to Bobby. And almost, especially when I do kids' classes, almost inevitably, there's a can't question about curses. And all I can say is, <laughs> well, a lot of bad stuff has happened to people who've taken artifacts, and a lot of people think that that's from a curse. And blah, then Bobby blah, blah. does, that Bobby like punches his fist. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of bad things have happened. <laughs> And then, and then he closes with, also, a lot of bad things happen to people who don't brush their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of bad things happen to people who don't tip the speakers to classrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I want to know, what was the line? What was the line at 15 years that made that woman return it? Like, she's like, all right, cancer... Yeah, but this looks really Cancer cool twice. on the mantle. But this looks really cool in my dining room. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Financial trouble? Eh, but it's such a good conversation piece. Like, what was the thing that made me be like, okay, too much? Her Chevy Cruze broke down. <laughs> By the way, for people out there like who are thinking about this, if you are ever in a place, like just just go to the fucking souvenir shop. Like it, it's it's really an indistinguishable difference to you. You still have a knickknack from the place you visited, but you don't destroy literally our knowledge of prehistory by doing it. So like it doesn't get you anything. And by the way, Ryan, you mentioned a while ago, like value. These things have no value. Like they have no resale value. Nobody cares about an arrowhead. In fact, technically it's illegal to sell here in the United States. Um, nobody would care about that. But like that's important. It's that not has a lot Arrowhead of, collecting Facebook group says. <laughs> they have a lot of important like prehistoric and historical information to them. Like it is important to somebody. It's just not fiscally valuable. And you wouldn't believe how many people will go raid these sites and destroy, you know, four or 5,000 year old sites and all the knowledge that's held there in between because they think they're going to get money. And then they find out like it totals up $2.75 of eBay sales and they spent more money on bubble wrap. Listen, it might not have financial value, but when the libtards come and take all our guns, arrowheads, yeah. baby, I'm going to be the one who's holding them off. <laughs> He's holding all the cards. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, all right, now we had a friend a while back, uh, I'm using that term loosely, uh, yeah, yeah. that uh, he, he he happened to himself upon a bunch, uh, a site with a bunch of arrowheads and he was online 
he didn't happen to stumble upon it. He was a looter. That that dude goes around and loots prehistoric sites. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And you tried to talk to him about it too, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, it like it, unfortunately at the time, like it became a thing where it's just like I don't have uh I actually don't have discretion here and I had to just kind of turn that info over to the people I work for and be like, listen, here's a guy who's out looting sites. And again, I can't express to people like how much damage this does. Like it takes one or two looters to ruin thousands of years of known history. And like, especially when we're in a place like San Diego that has some very interesting prehistory. We have some of the most ancient prehistory in the Western hemisphere and some really interesting stuff. And all it takes is one of those fucking assholes going out there who needs to have something on his fucking mantelpiece to go do it. And by the way, let the records show that Bobby would have snitched on Professor Indiana Jones. Yes, I would have. No doubt in my mind. I would have beat the shit out of that guy in the field. Ah, you could have done that. (laughs) Fuck him. Have you seen him throw hands? I have seen him throw hands. He telegraphs those motherfuckers like a bitch. I was going to say, he does draw that hand pretty far back and the guy just stands there and takes it. It's kind of weird. Yeah, no, like you are doing a significant amount of damage. By the way, it's also incredibly illegal. It's immoral for multiple reasons, including the fact that you're stealing. Like that belongs to somebody and people always feel like it's dead. Oh, hey, who's, guess who's never shot Shoplifted. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't shoplift, but uh, but but like even from Ralph's, even from the self self checkout, <laughs> even they're then. stealing jobs with those self checkouts. You make them pay with discounts. You pass that to the consumer. It actually really affects native people, like because they have a, a continuous line to them. So that is like their grandparents. And so like I always tell uh, tell somebody like, hey, these are they're people buried here, and when you're stealing their stuff, you're essentially stealing their headstones, and like some and sometimes literally stealing their headstones, depending on if you're taking broken bird monos and whatnot. And then the people are like, yeah, I'm gonna put it with my headstones back home. Right. Well, like imagine if somebody just walked into a cemetery, like as a family is mourning around a tombstone, they just like he- like pry up the tombstone. They're like, this looks fun. This will be in my house now. I can put this in my garden. <laughs> well, it is October. Oh, also, by the way, it's also a felony, just so you know. So uh, anybody out there doing that, depending on what, what, if it's federal land or state land or whatever, you're violating NAGPRA, ARPA, CEQA, NEPA, and a bunch of other federal statutes. I have a hilarious idea. Let's sand off this person's name and year of death, and instead we'll chisel in, here lies cold and hard, the last darn cat that pooped in my yard. Ah, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> I, had a, uh, I have a story where I kind of got spooked. Um, Was it after you stole some artifacts? I, I I stole from the dead for sure, yeah, <laughs> and, and, but it, it wasn't it wasn't from an ancient burial site. There was no. Historical... It was it was from Jerry Garcia, and he, <laughs> by the way, he deserved it. You're not far off. It was uh, it was <laughs> it was beer from an old dead lady's house. Now, uh, let me just explain. Uh, in high school, I went out to Palm Desert where I'd spent my early childhood. Okay. Quick caveat: she wasn't dead before he got there. <laughs> It was an accident. It was a crime of passion, Dave. You wouldn't understand. It was the um, furry paradox. So, <laughs> so uh, we were out there when I, like for high school spring break. I was like 18. And I looked up this kid that I used to hang out with when I was little, living in the, in, in Palm Desert. And uh, I, we, we, we bought some beer with my friend's sister's fake ID before we went out. We were out there in the desert and we ran out of beer. And I'm like, well, I guess night's over. It was, it was like, you know, 11 o'clock, 11.30. And this kid who I hadn't seen in 10 years goes, wait, no, I know where to get some beer. And so we all get in my car and we drive to this gated community where he has the code. And we go into this gated this community. This sounds like the start of a Tales from the Crypt episode. Yes, oh, it I'm does. Just gonna say- it wasn't far off. Um, so anyways, <laughs> uh, he, we go up to this this darkened house in this country club neighborhood in Palm Springs and the motherfucker has not only the code to this gay community, he has the key to this house. I'm like, Davey, man, what are we doing? He's like, don't worry, don't worry. He keys in, flips on the lights 
and he brings us to the garage, and lo and behold, the garage fr- fridge is full of Coors Light. And we're like, Davey, way to go, man. And we're so euphoric with the fact that we have now solved the we don't have any beer and no fake ID problem. That you didn't see the man in the corner standing there saying, take a beer can, but beware. <laughs> Each beer you sip. <laughs> there is room for one more. Uh, no. So uh, we start drinking. And he's like, come on in. We're sitting in the house. And it takes me... Mm, 15 minutes longer than it should have to go, Davey, whose fucking house are we in? And he goes, oh, don't worry. It's this old lady I was taking care of. She was uh, friends with my grandma. I came over here after school and, like, you know, uh, got her mail and, you know, get the leaves out of her gutters and stuff. Uh, she, she just died, so we're fine. <laughs> so I'm like, ah. Uh, so he's like, yeah, yeah, like right over there. I'm like, ah. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, She's yeah, in yeah. the other fridge. <laughs> You see how there was also a freezer in that garage? <laughs> so I'm like, God, it's like, how long? I was like, yeah, a couple days ago. He's like, he's, he's so not worried about it. And he's like, <laughs> and, and like, you know, he's like taking some other shit and putting his pocket. And he's like, and I'm like, so finally me and my two friends that I brought with me, we get the spooks. And we uh, were like, so we clean out the fridge of beer because, you know, I'm 18. Like, she's not going to miss this. We go back to the house that we're staying at in Palm Springs, and the rest of the night, every time a, 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 a breeze blows the windows and rattles them, I'm like, we gotta take this fucking beer back. We got so literally the next day, we, we, we drop that kid off. We don't have him to fucking know the code and shit. I literally hop the gate with a backpack of Worms Coors Light, go back to this house, and leave it, uh, my backpack full of Worms Coors Light on the, on the fucking front door of this now locked house. I'm like, we're so sorry, dead old lady we apologize i mean Dude, how I confused how confused were her relatives the reverse burglary <laughs> no i think a gardener went yeah about two oh, hours see, later i think her i think her like adult son was like dude you want to hear the weirdest ghost story ever a ghost took the beer out of my <laughs> nana's fridge and put it on the doorstep <laughs> i think she was telling us she doesn't want us to drink <laughs> also, aren't, isn't it kind of a sad white trash story when you're like an octogenarian and still going with Coors Light? <laughs> he couldn't get up to a microbrew at that point. Uh, you know, luckily octogenarian was on my word of the day calendar yesterday. Otherwise, he would have been three for three with confusing me today. <laughs> That's what we call the Furby paradox. Ah, there it is. Nailed it. But, uh, you know, by the way, if I'm being honest about that story, um, that shitty little kid that broke us into that house, like, while we were just stealing beer, he was going around the house, like, fucking stealing little bowls of change and, like, little pieces of jewelry and shit. So, really, if the fucking, uh, if anyone should attract the ire of that ghost, it should be that (laughs) shitty little kid. He Um, comes out one day and you're like, when did you get a house coat? (laughs) Are those furs? Uh, but anyway, but at least I can admit that maybe I was a little bit wrong stealing from a dead old lady. I mean, I'm, I'm big. You came to it pretty quickly, by the way, especially for a young man, because, you know, we were talking about this earlier this week in a, in a group chat. Like, there are certain people who have real hard times admitting when they're wrong. And it used to really frustrate me because, like, to me, that's it doesn't like, still. I don't, I don't have that problem. I've never had that problem. <laughs> God damn it, Dave. It used to really frustrate me because if you, especially if you're trying to argue with somebody in good faith, like one of the things I always feel is like, if you're arguing with somebody in good faith, you should always admit the downsides of your own argument and your own flaws and biases and whatnot, because it's only fair. And when other people get confronted with it blatantly, and then they like, they don't admit it, it gets very annoying to me. But what ended up happening is 
I also uh, occasionally like teach a, teach this logic and reasoning class through uh, City College here in, in San Diego, and so one of the interesting topics that we do is like argumentative style and and stuff like that. And so what I started doing about three years ago when I first got asked to to instruct uh, part time for part of this class is. I would start screenshotting these like arguments and stuff from Facebook and and from online mediums and being like, I want to show you kids an example of somebody who is so up their own ass they cannot admit when they're wrong. And now it's more like an Easter egg hunt. Now when I see these assholes <laughs> online, I'm like, oh, this guy's even more narcissistic than the last. <laughs> oh, that's good. And I get the great pleasure too because they just were acting like an asshole for one morning and then they you know walk off and become an asshole for the rest of their lives. But I get to pick on this person every single year that I get asked to come back and if I get asked to come back and like do a day of instruction on this class, I get to come back and be like, let me show you guys what an asshole is. And that guy gets immortal immortalized as an asshole. Uh, and I actually had one that one of those happened just this week to me. We were I was online. Do you keep uh, their name in it so these people can look them up on Facebook? <laughs> they get a bunch of new friend requests. <laughs> The rule has to be, I can only keep all the info in if it's a public post. So it has to be like, if somebody responds to a, like a CNN article, I can keep that in. If somebody makes a public Facebook post, I can keep that in. There was one that happened recently this week that was in like a private Facebook group for a uh, podcast that a bunch of people listen to. Not this one. It's called The <laughs> yeah. Degenerates. And this, this one lady was basically saying, hey... When people ask you for your sources, ask you to cite your sources, they're they're doing a type of gaslighting that's called sea lioning, and they and it's and and uh, you don't owe anyone your sources, and if uh -huh. and if you make what? a statement, it's up to somebody else to do their research and see if you're right, but you don't owe it, and it's like you can just see the narcissism oozing out of this person, and I was like, sea lioning, yeah, what is sea? Is that like the Feynman conundrum? I, I mean, I guess it would be like Feynman if you took out like the second supposition. You'd have to take out the second part of it, otherwise it wouldn't know. work. But um, what what sea lining, quote unquote, is is like demanding citations for sources or something in bad faith to try and as get somebody. sea lions often do. Yeah. <laughs> right down at the beach, show me your sources. <laughs> Source, 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 source. <laughs> there it and, is. And somebody like posted back on the line. They're like, "Uh, no, so asking somebody to cite their sources is not at all like wrong. In fact, there's something wrong if you don't if you don't want to cite your sources. There's probably something wrong with you." And she's like, "You just don't get it." And I was like, "I'm a research. I do research for a living." There are times when somebody makes a claim and I can't tell what research they're using. Like, how am I supposed to do it? Even if I read every 4,000 articles that are on this topic, I might not get their misinterpretation if they're misinterpreting the data. So you have to ask somebody to cite their source. And they're like, you guys just don't get it. You have no idea what's going on. And I was like, man, you have to be so willfully ignorant. But it comes down to it's not just willful ignorance. There's an entitlement that certain people have where they think it's like, I'm not wrong because I thought of it and I will find any possible way to make this a right statement or make myself be right in the situation as opposed to just being like, Oh yeah, I made a mistake. Like yeah. there are people who are just so beyond being able to do that. I had a few instances of that. I wanted to ask you guys, have you run into that where somebody ends up shooting themselves in the foot with their inability to admit that they made a mistake? Oh, I mean the first one that pops into my head is that, uh, I, I use the term loosely, that comic that we all know who's uh, Bobby in the science field that is oh, just yes. constantly posting. Like, we all see it. He just posts the most outlandish things that are like, there's no basis, there's no fact to it. Yes. And he just doubles down on it continuously as people continue to call him out. Unfortunately, that has no negative side effects to him because he <laughs> keeps going and there's nothing wrong. Well, yeah. the, the, uh, I, I always see that that comes down to ego, really. It yes. is. It, it is um, 
back when punk rock became uh, popular, uh, all of a sudden there are certain people from the punk rock movement where people started going, hey, that guy's actually really smart. Like, he'd be like a singer of a band. Like, that, that guy actually teaches physics at this college, or that guy actually has a degree in theology. I think there's a romanticism to guys where they want to be uh, the guy that may seem dumb, but is actually really smart. But unfortunately, they've never finished a book. So they, yeah. they, 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 that's, that's what I see, is, they, is the guys like the one you're describing, is like, yeah, people think that I'm just like this you know, trash can of a human that like, doesn't have a lot going on for him. I'm, I'm actually as smart as a scientist. But really, they just want that narrative. They don't have anything to back it up with. Yeah, and I will say, actually, now that I think about it, that might actually have consequences because that guy ended up getting like pushed out of the lab and into like an HR role, which tends to happen <laughs> to people who can't admit they're wrong. Because like it's a, a big part of science is, is literally proving yourself wrong. That, he, he said it was like an upward movement. Yeah, like, that's well, of how wrong he is. Yeah, well, so I got mine. I, I think about this all the time because I always think about this guy. This is my ultimate example of the I, I, I'm fucking right and I know it. Uh, I was in when we were in college, we had a pledge come in when I was a sophomore. So he's one year younger than me. And they came in and uh, one of your jobs, you have to, you know, make sure that the kids graduate in time because if they're drinking too much and they fail out and that doesn't help you as a fraternity. So you're, you're like on it all the time. Well, at some point when we're doing that, and we're monitoring this kid's grades. He mentions that he has to keep his grades up because he's on scholarship. I'm on scholarship at the time, and it's a bitch of a system. At least it used to be for the UCs before they got all internet connected. And you had to go to all these different offices and turn all this stuff in. I used to have to pay my tuition at the beginning of every single semester, and then they would reimburse me. And, like, that's how it went. This kid was going on the exact same scholarship I had. And so when he mentioned it, I went, oh, my God. Oh, man, let me help you. I, it took me so long to figure this system out. This is such a bitch. You have to do this, this, and this. And he went, nope. No, I don't. I'm on scholarship. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I know. Me too, buddy. That's why I'm here. I wouldn't be able to afford this if I wasn't. I'm on scholarship as well. Uh, let me tell you how to work the scholarship office and when you have to go and how you have to get your stuff turned in and you better get this October 8th deadline. Otherwise, you won't get paid and all this stuff. And he goes, no, no, no. I'm on a special kind of scholarship. And he just lists the scholarship that I'm on. And I'm like, I can bring my paperwork if you want. I'm telling you, here's what you have to do. You have to go down to the scholarship office. You have to pay your tuition. Then eventually they're going to pay you back and you're going to go through this thing. And he just keeps insisting, even though he's a freshman, this is his first semester, that he knows what's going on and I have no idea. I want this to be a Tyler Durden reveal where it was Bobby the whole time. <laughs> Bobby, I actually, you know, now, now I want you to picture how frustrating that was, okay? Yes. Uh, I used to have that conversation multiple times a day as part of my job because I, for four years, worked in as a student advisor for uh, an online university, okay? Now, where I think there's, there is some, some, um, some value to uh, online education to a certain degree, the, the online school format, like University of Phoenix and all that type of thing, uh, they have a sales model where people just want to get people enrolled and they will do it with nefarious ways. Now, just like any other uh, unscrupulous sales business, like it's a lot of um, when they're training their sales force, like, well, you can't tell them, wink, wink, that this is what's going to happen. But if you were to tell them what you shouldn't do, wink, wink, you know. So you have a lot of people that are just trying to keep their jobs and get bonuses by getting unqualified, stupid people to sign up for loans that they can't afford and aren't prepared to take and don't understand. Now, that's the sales team. Then they would assign me as their student advisor, all right? They'd already be like four or five classes in, and I would have to call them up and be like, hey, listen, Natasha, you failed two classes uh, this last semester here. Uh, you're going to have to pay that back. And all the time I'd hear, 
I don't have to pay anything back. I have financial aid. Oh. And I'd be like, uh, yes, but right, but but the portion of that is loans. It, no, I don't have loans. I have financial aid. I'm like, oh. and, I, and and I'd be like, all right, Natasha, listen to me very carefully. Financial aid is an umbrella statement. Okay, that's an umbrella term. It replies. I don't have an umbrella. I have financial aid. <laughs> I would be like, it, it, uh, financial aid applies to three things. Uh, two types of loans, subsidized and unsubsidized, and we'll get into what those are later, and grants. Now, you uh, are taking out $65,000 worth of loans and are only getting $5,000 in grants, which you don't have to pay back. Uh, uh, the, 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 the classes you failed have already eaten up all your grants. That's gone. The rest of this, you need to know that if you are not comfortable with paying back $65,000, which will you cannot declare bankruptcy on and they will garnish, you got to know right now you have taken out loans. You've already signed for them. I don't have loans. I have financial aid. And I would just slam the receiver down and cry. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That, was, that was a substantial part of my day every day for four fucking years. Now, but with that, and also, Bobby, with your case, the guy in a scholarship, there's a moment of retribution. Yes. Well, so here, th- this is the great part. Oh, yeah. Like, I never got to see Natasha get the bill and go, ah! Yeah, this guy essentially finds himself in like a modified Dunbar situation at the end because what ends up happening is he keeps telling me, no, 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 no. And then literally on the day, which I know the day very well, that you have to get your stuff turned into the financial or into the scholarship office, I'd like literally pull him aside and I'm like, hey, I know we've been arguing about this and I know it became a thing. Like it literally became an argument between the two of us. And I was like, I don't give a shit about that. I don't give a shit about like being right or anything. You really need to get this paperwork in today because otherwise you're not going to get your scholarship and you're in the same position I am. Neither of us can afford this without scholarships. So you need to do this. And like, if I have to fill this out for you and walk it down for you, I will. And he's like, no, I checked. I checked with my parents and I checked with the scholarship office and I don't have to do any of this. And I was like, I, I know you're wrong, but okay, fine, whatever you want. And then sure enough, he didn't get his scholarship paperwork in. He didn't get his scholarship and he couldn't come back to school. This guy gave up a free Berkeley education because he wanted to be right in an argument. And See, I think now, first of all, that's not a modified Dunbar situation. Nice try. But secondly, that feels like he feels like the kind of it's guy. It's the Furby paradox. Who would, <laughs> <laughs> he's the kind of guy who would still like adjust for that in his head. He'd be like, oh, I guess I just had a scholarship for one semester or something like that. Like, yeah, there would never be that moment of like, oh, I was wrong. And that's what I always want. I always want them to realize they're wrong. Oh, no, no. He, I mean, there was a time where he's literally carrying a a banker's box out of the dorms. Right, right. (laughs) But he would just, in his head, he'd be like, oh, I guess I just had a scholarship for one semester. Did you talk to him, Bobby? Well, to Dave's point, to Dave's point, like the way the fraternity works is, like I said, you have to make sure their grades are up and everything. And uh, you are also in contact with their parents. Like you, you talk to their parents all the time and let them know how they're doing and stuff. And this kid's parents call me livid like right before the end of the semester I remember because it was finals and I was pissed that they were calling me and uh, they were livid and they're like you told me you, you would watch out for our son you said you would make sure he got his schoolwork done now he's failing out and I was like whoa 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 he's not failing I just saw his grades he's certainly not failing I made sure he didn't fucking fail but he didn't turn his scholarship paperwork in they're like why didn't you get it in and I like you want to condense four months of yelling at this idiot into five minutes for his parents but there's no way you can get it across to him you want the highlight reel 
Yeah, and you're and and I was like, listen, I've been telling him this over and over, and he just keeps saying he's on scholarship. And his parents hung up the phone, and you could tell from the way their voice. They started very angry when they called, and then when they heard what happened, you could tell them slowly went over, and then realized like, oh, we know our piece of shit son. We know exactly what happened here. But they, I was angry that they left the conversation still seeming a little annoyed at me. They're like, right. Well, you just shoulda. And I was like, nothing. There's nothing I could have done. I literally told him I would take it out of his hand and fill it out in front of him and take it down for him. And he didn't let me have the paper. He put it in his backpack and obstinately walked away. It is his ass fault. And I realized later on, because I remember thinking, this is, I was still young. I'm still like 19 at this point. I'm like, what in the world would have caused this? Like who would give up their education for an argument? And I realized that this started at the dining room table. And like a fraternity dining room table, there's 45 guys there. Everybody's yelling and screaming and stuff. And basically he got, he thought he got embarrassed in front of 45 dudes and he had to take his stand and he took his idiot stand at that point. And I realized like maybe if this had just been a conversation between me and him alone, it wouldn't have been that big a deal. But because it started in that point, he identified himself as no, I am taking this side. And he was just too stubborn to let it go. That guy gave up a free, he was on scholarship, free Berkeley education to try and be right in an argument he was knowledgeably wrong. <laughs> you know, the thing is, what's what's odd is I am such the diametric opposite of this guy. Because when, yeah. pe- when people like, uh, as opposed to being like, nope, I have all the answers. Like, I'm like, dude, can you please do this for me? I will fuck it up. Like, I, I, I know you're trying to teach me the right thing, but I need your, I need you to hold my hand or I will fuck this up beyond repair. Please help me. I'm not smart enough to do it. Yeah, and I don't get that too because... It, if you're taking the advice of a smart person, you're now just doing the smart thing, right? Like, even if there's something like where there's somebody who maybe I don't think is like super, super smart, if they're an expert in something that I'm not an expert in, why the fuck wouldn't I take their advice? Like, I've never why understood would, that. Why wouldn't I listen? There's a bunch of rednecks out there on YouTube who probably are barely literate. But guess what? I take car repair advice from them all the time because they figured out the best way to get that alternator off without having to pull them motor mounts. And so, like, it's really easy. Great. Let's look at that YouTube video and take advice from this half-witted redneck because in this thing, he's the expert. See, yeah. I can identify a little bit because I, I'm smart enough to acknowledge that I have that I have that Irish stubbornness. Yeah. Where like if I get into a somebody like no fuck you you're not right <laughs> I'm not wrong but I'll I'll yeah, you're Dave process it later on I'll process it and be like ah oh, fuck I am wrong about that okay all right I was yeah stupid. so so Dave you're the you're the middle ground you're the guy who yeah. will, who in the is <laughs> asshole in the moment yes freaking the sheets <laughs> lady in the streets. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just going to consult with a guy that podcasts better if it's a good time to wrap up. Let me just text him. And uh, yes, he, apparently it is. All right. Let's call it a week. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, by the time this airs, they'll still have time to get tickets. I'll be at the Comedy Palace the weekend of October 23rd and October 24th. Right now, because of COVID, there's, uh, there's only going to be one show a night, unless uh, things ease up, and then case will be two shows a night. But I'll definitely be there October 23rd. October 24th, that's Friday and Saturday at the Comedy Palace in Kearney Mesa in San Diego. Guys, any gigs coming up? Uh, no, I just finished Nerd Night Digital, which was a nice international event, but unfortunately that just wrapped up, so uh, no, nothing coming up. Hey, I was booked to feature on October 30th at Bay Bridge, uh, but that got canceled, so never mind. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear cool. that. Cool. Let's, let's, you know, let's just talk about all the things we're not doing. <laughs> all right. I'm Ryan for Dave and Bobby saying see you next week. Cruising with the twos. Yeah, do you want your call, Ryan? You can end it or we can restart. Let's restart. Okay. Uh, Everybody keep this going. And we're back from commercial break. Quick, let's think of like four more things that Ryan won't know about to talk about. (laughs) 
Let's just, in fact, let's just make up something. Let's like make up a word. It's, it's the John Dax situation or something. And then, like, <laughs> oh my god, that'd be great. Uh. And then the top drop will just be this conversation between you and me. So that, like, the <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the Feynman conundrum. And <laughs> I like it. All right. Motherfucking time is passing by.